the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's Monday, the day after Mother's Day. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. As you know, this is a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your questions, questions about the Bible, questions about stuff going on in your life, uh, questions about church. Maybe you heard something yesterday that was a little strange or you didn't understand it. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585 if you're outside the local San Antonio area. You can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. And remember, if you are driving in your car... The safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen and you will be connected directly to our studio producer. Hope you had a really good day in church yesterday. You know, Mother's Days are a little bit different because there's always a lot of people who are gone, but there's also a lot of people who are coming that we don't know, uh, people in the church bringing their mothers or sons and daughters coming with their mothers as a Mother's Day gift. Um, we had a great time yesterday. It was a, a great sir. people got saved. That's the neat thing about it. So I uh, hope that happened at your church as well. Remember, with every single person who gets saved, we're one Gentile closer to Jesus' return for his church. Uh, tonight here at our church, Calvary Chapel, we've got our men's and women's and youth Bible studies all taking place at 7 o'clock. Ladies, you can watch uh, on live stream at calvarysa.com. Uh, but it's always better to be here. That way you get involved in the Q&A that happens after the fact as well. Um, uh, just ladies ministering to one another. You can make it a family affair. You bring your, your teenagers. And we've got high school and junior high school Bible studies as well. So that is tonight at 7 o'clock. Well, let's get to questions while we await your phone calls. Here is a question from Matthew. He says, um, Hi, Pastor On. This past Friday, my wife and I read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John together. After that, I began to hear your 2008 Bible teaching of these books in the Calvary archives. Let me just say something before I do this. I had a, a, a marriage counseling um, session today before the radio show, and it is an amazing thing to see what what happens when a husband and a wife are in the Word together. So Matthew, God bless you for you and your wife in the Word together. Um, it's God's Word; it works supernaturally. Um, the Spirit knits husbands and wives' hearts together, and uh, this particular counseling session was um, really refreshing. Because that's what the husband and wife committed to doing, and God is doing all of the work. So uh, all of you, husbands, wives, read the Bible together. It will change your lives and knit your hearts together. Okay, here's the question. 
In Second John, you spoke about elders and mentioned the terms archbishops and reverends. These terms weren't significant in the Bible study, however. I was curious to know, how do you feel about these terms, archbishops or bishops, reverends, including deacons and overseers? Uh, prior to um, Calvary, I've been to churches where these terms were used. Is this simply a personal preference, or are these churches not clear on the titles and terms? A um, couple of things, Matthew. Uh, I'm not. I'm not big at all on titles. Um, uh, Pastor Ron describes what I do, but it's not a title. Uh, I'm not Pastor Ron to anybody who doesn't come to this church, so um, I, I don't consider that a title. But when you get to people who call themselves uh, reverends or bishops or even apostles, I saw. An ad today for a church uh, who has an apostle there, um, and, and I'm I'm just not a fan. I, I I don't know why we need titles. I think that's man elevating man, and especially the term reverend. You know, the truth is, uh, I'm not reverend. Nobody else is reverend. Only Jesus is, and I just don't think Matthew that it's it's something that ought to be used. You know, in this world, uh, I I know a good friend by the way uh, who was a Calvary Chapel pastor, and he went to school, uh, got a seminary degree just so he could be called reverend. And when I asked him, why, why did you do that? And he said, well, well, people don't take you seriously unless you've studied, unless you've, you, you've got a title like that. So, so when I introduced myself now as the reverend so-and-so, and I laughed at him, I said, you're false advertising, aren't you? And he just kind of laughed at me. But see, these are titles that men take upon themselves, and they shouldn't be used. Uh, Bishop, um, I guess a bishop is over a pastor. Um, um, it's, It's always just been more than I could understand. So, Matthew, I just don't think they ought to be used at all. Uh, Being Pastor Ron is an honor to me, but for the most part, I'm just Ron. And uh, I just love the fact that God has chosen to use somebody like me. And I don't want any attention. I don't want people to think I'm super holy or super spiritual. I just want to use the gift that God has given me and use it for his glory. So uh, that's my personal preference. And while I can't judge people for using the others, I think often, Matthew, you'll see those titles taken in churches that aren't really solid Bible teaching churches. So I hope that helps, Matthew. Thank you very, very much. Here is a question from Carlos. He says, I know we're saved by grace, so why are works necessary to get into heaven? And the work Carlos mentions here is Jesus said that we're to keep his commands. Uh, That's not a work. That's a response. Um, You see, we come to Jesus. We didn't do anything to deserve uh, being saved. Uh, there's nothing we can do to earn being saved. Um, so it's grace. Grace is unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor, I always like to add, to the infinitely ill-deserving. That, Carlos, is how I got saved. But once I am saved, now we call Jesus Lord, and once I am saved, that's when we are obedient. So when Jesus says, keep my commandments, that's a response to being saved It's not something we do to get saved. In fact, we can't do that. We can't be obedient apart from the Holy Spirit living in us. So it's simply a way to honor him. Now, Carlos, I spent some time in my Bible study yesterday talking about this issue from a slightly different perspective. You know, there's just too many of us who call Jesus Lord, and we don't do what he tells us to do. When we accept Jesus as Lord... That means he's in charge of our lives. It means when he says something, we don't get a vote. We don't have an opinion. And so our responsibility is simply as a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ, our responsibility is to obey. And far too many professing Christians have the idea that we have a a, a vote in the matter or or we have a choice in the matter. And I was sharing my, my conversion experience yesterday in the story or in the study. And um, when I got saved, and 
I always say this because I, I don't want people to think I'm something more more spiritual than than I am. Uh, but but I never was raised in church. I, I never opened a Bible, so I didn't know anything about God other than what Paula had told me about. Now I knew the name Jesus, and of course I had been in for churches for weddings and things like that. But when I got saved, I was actually running away from home. And uh, I'd done so many horrible things. When I got saved, I realized two things. One, I realized I was going to heaven. My sins were forgiven. I had no idea how it happened or why it happened. I couldn't imagine anybody would want me in heaven. But I knew it. I mean, my trans, uh, my, my transformation was radical. And I knew I was saved. Now, the second thing I knew for sure was that if this man, Jesus, had the authority to forgive my sins, then I would serve him the rest of my life. He would be in charge of my life from that point forward. And I just knew those two things. I think it's one of the things the Holy Spirit does when you're genuinely converted. And I realized that I now was his to obey. And I never thought I had a choice in the matter. It was never one of those things, am I going to obey when I feel like it? Now, as a new believer, we don't know how to obey. But once we learn, and I remember telling Jesus, you're in charge of my life now. I don't know what to do. I'm a Christian now. I don't know what that means. I don't know what to do. But I'm going to find out. And I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And for 31 years now, I've been walking with the Lord on that basis. And Carlos, I just think Christians ought to stop living their lives as though obedience was a choice. Obedience, if you read all through the New Testament, especially the Apostle Paul's epistles, if you read through the New Testament, you're going to find that obedience is assumed for a true believer. It's assumed. And and as Christians, we act like, well, when I'm obedient, God ought to bless me. No, that, that's that's just the normal way of life. So obeying Jesus after we're saved is not a work to get us saved. It is the response to being saved. And um, it's important to understand, Carlos. Thank you very, very much. Here is a question note. We got Robert holding on line one from San Antonio. Robert, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. My voice is a little weak, but it usually is after Sunday. Well, sounds good. Hey, quick question. Um, I'm not sure if this is a primary issue or one of the secondary things, um, but um, I tend to get church uh, after, you know, a little bit closer to my home uh, than when I used to come out to your place. But um, one of the things I saw, and just wasn't sure what the answer is, as far as baptism go, is it okay for women to baptize people? I, I don't remember reading any like thing like that in the where it says yes or no or you know without getting legalistic, you know, just trying to see what's what's the right answer there. Robert, that's a good question and and it's one that's very personal to me. Uh, I was baptized by a woman. Um, Paula baptized me uh, when when I got saved and I was so excited about the Lord. Uh, I I didn't want to wait for any big event or anything else. I wanted to be baptized. And I remember Paula and I went to a gym with a pool, and I remember saying, Paula, would you would you baptize me? And she was just blown away. And and I told her, I said, you know, you prayed for me for 13 years. You represented Jesus when I was a, an absolute jerk. And, and I don't think there's anything more appropriate on planet Earth than for you to be the one who baptizes me. And we had a crowd of people that were there. Not, not they weren't with us, but when they saw what we were doing, uh, you know, they, they'd kind of watch. And I was very proud that Paula baptized me. So uh, I, I don't think the, the Bible doesn't deal at all with uh, who baptizes. It doesn't have to be a pastor. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, somebody who's ordained. Um, but but all you need to do is is just another believer. Uh, and And he or she can baptize you, and there's no prohibition against it at all. Now, I would not want to be baptized by a woman who claims to be a pastor. I wouldn't want to do that. But I say that because 
they're they're usurping authority in a church that God hasn't given to them. So if it's an unhealthy church and that's what's happening, then I would be a little bit reluctant. But just by and large, um, it doesn't matter who baptized you. It's your public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ, and heaven is thrilled no matter who it is. And Robert, one of the highlights of my life is being able to have the privilege of having Paula baptize me. So I hope that answers your question. It's good to hear from you, Robert. We miss you, but we know you're doing well with the Lord. Thank you very, very much. 340-9585. We've got Richard holding on line two from San Antonio. Richard, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Thank you for receiving my call. Mm-hmm. I um, I had um, I have an experience right now that I've never ever had in my life. <clears throat> my wife has stage four renal carcinoma cancer, oh. and she's um, she's on some medication to try to stop the cancer. But right at this point in time, you know, she's somewhat has shut down, doesn't talk, and. Uh, of course, She's blind to begin with. She was blind 18 years ago, but uh, she was talking and all and eating. And um, I believe the only reason she's alive is that, that I insisted on a on a on a flex tube, they call it, I guess, and that way she they can feed her in that mm-hmm. manner directly to her stomach. But uh, it, it's been. Uh, it's been a difficult journey. Um, I spent 67 days and nights next to her without coming home just to shower. And uh, just recently, I guess, because of the lack of sleep and all, I caught some type of flu and then uh, got bronchitis and running fevers. And so I haven't seen her in about nine days. And it, it's just, um, I'm distraught. But uh, <laughs> I'm praying that that she does survive. And I just need prayer over her. <laughs> and perhaps somebody can visit her. I met your brother, Terry McDonald. Oh, about yeah. Three years ago. About three years ago. They both, both our daughters go to, um, his granddaughter and my daughter go to um, Gervin uh, um, Elementary School. Mm-hmm. And that's how I met him. And, and he's always, you know, praising the Lord Jesus. And, you know, he's asked me to go to church there to, you know, just <laughs> visit and all. And, you know, how time flies and you're doing this, that, and the other. But. Yeah. You know, right now, I have nothing but time for the Lord. You know, 100%, which if I believe I had gone, you know, and, and, and gone to the way of the Lord sooner, my wife may not be in this predicament. Yeah. But um, I'm, oh, just, uh, I'm just upset about this so much. I have a 12... A 10-year-old daughter will be 10 years old Thursday. Her name is Cookie. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, it's it's very difficult on her, extremely. Her grades went down, and she was an A student. And it's yeah. it has affected her. And we're trying the best that we can to keep her focused. She doesn't know the... The end, end result of this terminal illness, and we're trying to get her a couple of months or, you know, if, if it worked, a year at least. And Richard, I'm for the best. Richard, can I ask, what, what is your wife's first name? Because I want to pray for her and I'll be praying for her. Her name is Brandy. Brandy's a more. Brandy. Okay. I'll be praying for Brandy and I'll be praying for Cookie and I'll be praying for you. But but let me share my heart on a couple of things here first. Um, d- don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Um, you know, the fact that you 
didn't turn to Jesus sooner uh, has nothing to do with her illness or her condition. The enemy wants to condemn, and in Christ, we, we, we're we simply unable to be condemned. The blood has washed us of all of our sin. Whatever you were and whatever you've done, past, present, even future, uh, all of that covered by the blood of Jesus. And you stand before the Lord, holy and righteous. And while we're working out that holiness and righteousness in this life, God has given you everything you need uh, in order to, to, to confidently stand before him and accept the free gift of eternal life. So, so the enemy, uh, he wants to make you doubt the goodness of God. He wants, to, wants you to doubt your salvation. He wants all those things. So, so you just have to identify his lies. And when he says this is your fault or she wouldn't be this bad if you'd done something sooner, um, God knew everything and, and uh, you're going to be okay. The other thing you need to know is that uh, what Brandy is going through, um, and I've been with so many people um, who are going through similar things. Um, there is a, 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 an abundance of grace that is available to her. And in this terminal illness, whatever she's dealing with, um, however difficult it is, um, Jesus is right there with her. He's got his arms around her. And a moment is going to come when he's going to send an angel for her. And then she will be taken instantly into the presence of the Lord and she will no longer have any cancer and, and she will be able to see. And the first thing that she will see since she lost her sight will be that magnificent face, Jesus shining like the sun in all of its brilliance. And Jesus looking at her saying, I've been waiting for you. And, and he'll look at her and say, beautiful, how perfect you are. And this is her reward that is coming. And I don't think there's a lot of value in hoping that she will hang on. I realize for, for you and for for uh, Cookie um, that, that, you know, we want to hold on as long as possible. But this is one of those times when you've got to be able to pray, Lord, thy will and not my will be done. And what I usually pray, Richard is for uh, God, a merciful God, don't, don't let them suffer. Um, give them peace. And uh, that's exactly what I'll be praying for you, for peace um, that, that, that surpasses the circumstances that you're living through. So, Richard, I am going to be praying. I'm going to pray for her right now, but I'm going to be praying for her. I'm going to be praying for, for you and Cookie as well. One other comment before I pray. This is the time when both you and Cookie need to be in the body of Christ, uh, in the house of God, more than at any other time in your life. This is the time when you can't do it on your own. This is a time when he'll surround you with people who have gone through those things. And uh, all you have to do, Richard, is hang so close to Jesus, and he's going to put you in a body that will um, provide comfort for you. Um, you're going to grieve. Your heart is going to break. So too will cookies. But his grace really is sufficient. So let us help you, Richard. If, it, if it's not Calvary Chapel, I don't know where you come from. Uh, Terry's here every time we open the door, and he's always telling people about Jesus. He's like a Pied Piper bringing people to church. Um, so um, find him and um, do that. Uh, as for, for visiting your wife, uh, we'd love to do that. So if you will um, email questions at calvarysa.com and tell us where she is, what room she's in, uh, we'll get somebody to go. And better than that, I'll get somebody who's gone through uh, what she's going through and, um, and, and, and we'll provide some ability to comfort her as well. Um, Protect yourself. Stay close to Jesus. Get to church. Get involved in the body. And let the Lord surround you with people that will love you. I'm going to pray for you, all of you now, Richard. Father, Lord, you know this hurts my heart because we've got so many right now in our body who are going through 
similar scenarios. And I want to pray, not for Brandy, my prayer for her, Lord, is that you will heal her. We, we pray for a miracle, God. Yet you know if that's what you're going to do. So thy will, not our will, be done. But for Richard and for Cookie, Lord, their hearts are broken. Surround them in your love, Lord. And let them know they're not alone. Jesus, make your presence so obvious that all day, every day, all they want to do is worship you and praise you for the mother and the wife that you've given them. And as she nears her reward in heaven, Lord, let Richard and Cookie enjoy your presence as never before. Surround them, Jesus, and keep them safe. Shield them from the attack of the enemy. Amen. Richard, God bless you. Please, questions at Calvary SA. We will get somebody to see uh, Brandy uh, for you. Wow. We've got 30 minutes left in the Monday show. 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand up for life. I'll be back in two minutes. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Monday show, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Richard, I pray that you are still listening just to show you how important the body is and how vibrant it is. We already have people from our body calling in saying, I'll go. I'll go see her in the hospital. I'll go now. So um, I, I love our church. I just love the people that are committed to the Lord. You get to send information, email questions at calvarysa.com. Tell us where she is, and we'll get people out there. And again, already people are calling and letting us know that uh, they would be honored to go and, and minister to her. Let's go to Kenny from San Antonio on line one. Kenny, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Thank you, Pastor Ron. I just mm-hmm. wanted to ask you a, a question about uh, the seven trumpets, and I don't want to be, I know I'm focused on, you know, here, here are my hands and feet, Lord, what, what do you want me to do today? And just to be obedient, just to focus on the Lord and, and you know, be obedient. But, and I just wanted, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll listen on the radio, uh, I just wanted to know on, about the trumps and if you possibly, uh, or I just want to know what the Lord's telling you, um, if any of the trumpets have already sounded. Yeah. Thank you, Kenny. I'll do my best. The, 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 the seven trumpets... Um... The, the the if you're talking Kenny about the trumpet judgments, um, you know the seals, and then we've got the trumpets, and then we've got the vials or the bowls. If you're talking about that, of course those those have not started yet. Um, um, if and I don't know if you're confusing it with the seven thunders, um, and and we're not to know what the seven thunders say. So none of those things have happened yet. Um, Kenny, we are in the last hours of the last days, and Jesus is coming soon. We don't know when. It will be sudden. There won't be any opportunity uh, once that, 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 that trumpet. Remember, the trumpet is not literal. It's figurative, but the trumpet call is a call to readiness. And from the Chris, Christian perspective, Kenny, uh, we are already hearing that trumpet. Jesus talked about knowing the signs um, uh, uh, of the times. And so all we have to do is look around. We look around at a world that can best be described by Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, beginning in the first verse, where Paul tells Timothy, um, 
And these are Paul's last words, so that's how important they are. But Paul tells Timothy, mark this, Timothy, in the last days, there will be perilous or terrible times. And those are the times that we're living in right now. Um, um, We're not in the Great Tribulation, so the, the trumpet judgments haven't started yet. The seals haven't been broken. The church will be raptured to heaven before that happens. But all we have to do now, Kenny, is look around. You know, I was just thinking about this prayerfully with the Lord this morning. Um, you know, in the last days, one of the, the, the traits, I'm going to use the King James here, one of the traits is that people will be without natural affection. And it describes very graphically, it's a very vivid word, in word picture in Greek. And it, and it describes the love that a mother has for a child. It's instinctive in us. And he says, in the last days, that will be gone. Now, he he has a whole list of other horrible, horrible behavior. But just that one, without natural affection, there are women marching all over this country right now, Kenny, who are protesting because the right, they fear that the right to murder babies will be taken from them. I saw one interview with a with a woman who was protesting abortion, and she said, "I wish my mother would have aborted me." There's no connection between mother and child any longer. Our hearts have become so hard, and that's just one horrible, horrible um, uh, thing. You know, uh, in in this country, it didn't happen here, thankfully, but uh, in our country yesterday, churches, some churches were disrupted because. Those who want to murder babies without natural affection, those who want to murder babies disrupted church services on Mother's Day because they felt that that would be an appropriate statement to make. So, Kenny, the trumpets, the seals, the bowls, none of that's happened yet. But I can tell you what has happened. Our world has grown so cold and our hearts so hard against God and the things of God that we find ourselves in this, a world that many of us don't even recognize. And it's especially impactful to a younger generation because they have been brainwashed to believe that we evolved from lower life forms. They haven't been exposed to the word of God and been exposed to prayer in school. They've just been convinced that they can act any way they want. And if you read Second Timothy chapter 3, just the beginning of the chapter, Paul says, be on guard. These things are going to happen. Kenny, they're happening now. Thank you, Kenny, for calling. I appreciate when I get to hear from you. Here is a question from Anonymous. Our email mocks. It's obviously somebody who comes to our church. He says, hi, Pastor Ron. What a great message yesterday. I met a couple at church yesterday. They've been there twice and got to know the gentleman a little bit. I soon found out that he was living with his girlfriend. We brought up marriage and told him about getting married. He said uh, he knows and they plan to get married soon. I couldn't help but think after hearing yesterday's message, they both should have gone up to the front and repented. It saddens and hurts my heart that they couldn't humble themselves, especially after hearing yesterday's message. Just some of my thoughts today. And then they say, love you, Pastor. Thank you very, very much, Anonymous. Um, you know, you, you, you get a little bit of a glimpse into my heart. Um, yesterday, all three services, as we were giving invitations. Now, for the audience, the message was uh, um, Jesus on his way to the cross at Calvary and saying to us, if we're going to be his disciple, we must pick up our own cross. We must follow him, be obedient to him, uh, and deny ourselves. And yesterday, uh, and and I, I advertised the message as a sort of a big boy and big girl message because it wasn't going to be something that was easy to hear. But but I said a message like this demands a response. And so I gave two invitations, one for new people um, to get saved, which I do every Sunday. I do it every Friday and every Wednesday too, by the way. Um, and then the other invitation was for believers. If you're not being obedient, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Jesus, if you call him Lord, why aren't you being obedient? 
And if we're going to follow Jesus in these last days, we got to do it on his terms. And in all three services, Anonymous, as I was given the invitation, the Holy Spirit was screaming at me that he is talking to so many people out there. And I guess we just have to wait for them to respond. And the response, uh, we had people come forward in all the services, but but the response wasn't nearly what it should have been. And it breaks my heart, too. You said it saddens and hurts your heart. Well, it's been hurting my heart, uh, this man and woman that you're talking about. You know, our church is a really difficult place to come if you're not serious about following Jesus. And um, one of two things will happen. Either the Holy Spirit will keep knocking on the door of his and her heart, and they will respond, or um, the longer they stay disobedient, the easier it is going to be to be disobedient, and they're going to just drift away and try to find another church that maybe isn't so direct. And you're right, it hurts my heart a lot, but what an important message for all of us. And in this particular context, since Jesus is now turning to the cross, um, his his ministry takes that that final turn into Jerusalem to die. Um, the message is all that much more urgent for all of us in these last days. Thank you. Uh, appreciate your comments. Let's go to our friend Ruben in Seguin on line one. Ruben, thanks for calling. You're on the air. God bless you, Pastor Ron. It's a it's always a pleasure and a blessing to to talk to you. Um, I I'm kind of loaded today, so let me just get to the point. Okay. Um, I went to <laughs> I went to the doctor, and I received some pretty bad news. Mm. Uh, my back specialist, uh, he says, Ruben. He goes, we waited so long um, to. To, to do your back, that your bones have begun have begun to um, grow together. There was a certain word he used. I just I don't remember what what the word was. The generate together or something. I don't yeah. remember. But probably said you, they were fusing. There you go, fusing. There yeah. you go, yeah. fusing together. He they, they fused together, and he says uh, now you're you're. Your back surgery is going to be that much more complicated. I go, well, why? He said, well, because we're going to have to break, literally break your back. And I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? Uh, Are you not going to do it? He says, well, it's up to you. And I'm like, well, I I mean, I want to work, walk straight. And, you know, he goes, well, he goes, you really need to think about it. He goes, because the chances of you walking, he goes, I can't really guarantee that you're going to walk again. And he goes, if you do, you're going to be in a lot of pain. Yeah. I said, okay. So I was I was kind of down about that. But I said, Lord, you know what? You've been with me this far. Uh, and everything that I've gone through, my all the surgeries that didn't have to do with my back, and you planned this out, and you planned this, this out the way it was supposed to work out. And then with everything emotionally that I've gone through, and my mother's, passing you you held me together and then mother's day you've held me together so you know i'm just gonna give it to you and so you know i just ask everybody that to pray for me that um that i will make the right decision and if i do get surgery that everything will go well and and then we'll go from there and like always that hasn't stopped me from reading or praying <laughs> so, with that being said, I came home and I started reading the Bible, started praying, and then I read. And then, uh, please don't be disappointed in me when I'm with what I'm, what I'm about to say. <laughs> I started reading the Bible in the New Testament. I was in First Timothy and Second Timothy, and then I come across this little book, this one-page book, Philemon. I think it was. I think it's called Philemon. Uh-huh. And I'm like, what is this? I said, do I have a Catholic Bible? <laughs> I'm like, where, where did this book come from? And then I said, 
started I started looking at the books and I was like, no, it's not a it's not a Catholic Bible, it's not a Mormon Bible, it's it's not this kind of Bible. I was going down to the different kinds of Bibles. I said it's it's a regular NIV Bible and then I went on the internet and looked sure no anyway, so I read it. So my question is, who is this? Philemon, and um, <laughs> I mean, I never heard of him. Um, is there any that he do something other than help uh, Paul? Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming Timothy. Yeah. Oh, Reuben, my producer is saying no sermon, no sermon. And the reason he's saying that is because he knows this is one of my favorite books. I call it the 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 missing treasure, and it's missing because most people don't find it in their Bibles. By the way, for the the audience, most people call that Philemon, but that's wrong. Reuben is right. It's Philemon, and it is an absolute treasure. And uh, there's such a wonderful story. Um, uh, Paul founded the church in Colossae, and this is a, a man who lives in Colossae who was saved, a, a, a fairly well-to-do man, if not outright a wealthy man. Um, and 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 he got saved under Paul's ministry, and at the point Paul is writing to him, uh, Philemon has become the pastor of the church that meets at his house. Um, his wife is in there. Her name is Aphia. Uh, they have a son, um, and and there is a thriving church uh, in Colossae, and he is the pastor of one of those house churches, you know. And uh, it's it the the book is so special. It's it's a book about redemption. It's a book about the, the heart of the Apostle Paul, who really does have the Lord's heart. And it centers around a man named Onesimus. Onesimus turned out to be a giant of a figure in the first century church, Reuben. A giant of a figure, a leader. And um, um, Onesimus is a man who, when Paul was in Rome, uh, Onesimus was a runaway slave. Again, I want to caution everybody not to think in terms of black and white. Uh, in that culture, there were far more slaves than free people. Um, but slaves had no rights then. And a runaway slave would be guilty of theft. And he, uh, if found, would be killed. And one day, he is Paul is in prison. Now, in prison in this particular time in Rome, though he was under guard, he had access. He wasn't in the dungeon uh, in, in prison, but he had access to people, and people could come see him. He'd found a lot of favor. favor. And Onesimus uh, one day heard Paul with a crowd of people proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and talking about the freedom that's found in Christ. And Onesimus, who had never been free, Onesimus was a man who would always look over his shoulder because his past was always chasing him, and he knew that he would be killed if he was found out. And here's this bow-legged, hunchback, broken-nosed man talking about freedom. The Holy Spirit fell, and Onesimus got saved. And not only did he get saved, but he um, um, began to grow immensely, and he became a great help to Paul's ministry. Well, I need to rush this because we don't have forever, and I was told no sermon. Um, um, one day the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and said, you have to go back to your slave owner. And and that would have been crushing. It could have cost him his life. And I can imagine the conversation he had with Paul. Paul, I've got to go. Why do you have to go? You're helping me so much, and God is doing such a wonderful work in your life. And, and he would explain, um, I, I've run away. Um, I know people are looking for me. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me that I've got to go back and make things right with my former owner. And Paul would be sad, but he would he would say, wait a minute. If that's what you got to do, I want you to do it. I'll be praying for you. And and maybe he said something like, tell me how to pray. What is your, the owner? I like to ask people's first names. What is your owner's name? And he would say, well, he lives in Colossae, and his name is Philemon. And Paul's eyes would open, his face would brighten up, and he would say, Philemon in Colossae? 
and maybe they would say, "Does he look like this?" And what? And 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 Paul would smile, and Onesimus would wonder, "What are you smiling about? I'm going to go back, and I'm going to be in danger." But he would say, "No, Philemon owes me his life, and now he too serves Jesus Christ, and he's a pastor of a church there, and he sent this letter, this one." chapter letter with Onesimus back to Philemon and basically said, if he's done you any wrong, put it to my account. It is the greatest spiritual arm twisting in the history of the world. And it's, it's fun. It's funny. At the same time, it's so vivid and so poignant. And um, uh, Ruben, you can camp in that little treasure. Uh, if you are interested, I've got two Bible studies on uh, Philemon uh, on our website at calvarysa.com, and you can listen to them. I've actually taught that book when I speak in other churches sometimes uh, because it's such a great, great story to tell. And so it's a great, great book. It's a great, great book. Ruben, thanks for calling. Sorry about the news. You're back. Hey, get a second opinion. That's the only medical advice I'm going to give. Good Good question. Here's a question from our email inbox. This one from Scott. He says he has two questions about Mark 8, 34. That's where I was yesterday. He says, in Jesus referencing the cross, did he already know he was going to be crucified rather than be executed some other way? I thought that he would find out in the next chapter at the transfiguration, where would he get the specific information? Also, is this the first time Jesus references the cross? Let me read the verse, Mark, and then I'll answer your questions. They're, they're pretty straightforward. It says, Then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So the, the question, did he know he was going to be crucified? The answer is yes, Psalm 22. Uh, of course, Jesus wrote that uh, through the, the pen of David. But uh, Jesus wrote it. It was um, regarded uh, universally as messianic by Jews. And it describes in detail, literally hundreds of years before Rome was a power. It describes a, a method of death, of execution, that didn't even exist at the time. So prophetically, Jesus knew he was going to die. You are also right that in the next chapter, I'm going to be doing that this coming Sunday, Scott. In the next chapter, the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah and Moses appear on the mountain with Jesus. And they've been sent by the Father to tell Jesus all the things that would happen in Jerusalem, the 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 point by point, blow by blow um, uh, episode from his final week forward, uh, culminating in the cross. So yes, he knew exactly what the cross was going to be. We also want people to remember that that the the cross was an instrument of death. It was a, an instrument of execution, and um, so the, the the streets of Rome were um, not the streets in Rome, but the streets leading to Rome. Um, they were strewn with the bodies of people who had been crucified. It was sort of a deterrent. So, yes. And, uh, yeah, that's Jesus' first direct reference to the cross, but not his only one. Okay, we've got um, Terry on line one from San Antonio. Terry, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Well, it is me, and, and I did Hi, have the, the pleasure of, of uh, hearing your comments uh, to Richard, I call him Richie, they called earlier, and just an addendum to that, uh, I spoke with him this morning and last week too, and some things, and the situation for his wife took a turn, she was in a uh, transitional care situation, then I found out today that she'd been admitted to the hospital under these conditions, but what you heard on the air, everyone that heard that, uh, I've had the pleasure of seeing and knowing him for over four years. The care and the love, the concern he has for his daughter, Cookie. I've never met his wife, but I've only seen, met her through his eyes and his heart. Mm -hmm. And this is a man full of love, like he's abundant and uh, dedication. So uh, thankful for the call, thankful that uh, people are reaching out. I wanted to let them know that he can't visit the hospital yet because of the situation that he developed. And I was mm -hmm. planning on doing that, but I suggested that there could be a uh, a, a husband or man and woman team or something of that nature. Yeah. Uh, and so that's wonderful to hear that uh, it's going to be met. 
Yeah, thank so, you, Terry. We got we got people waiting now to go. So as soon as we get any location information on the hospital, we'll have well, people I can, there. I can I can get it for you if you didn't get it yet. He's giving me all that information. I got it okay. today this morning. Okay, then then would you please email it to us as soon as you can? I will. Thank you so much. And wonderful. Are, are you are you? Sam said you can text it to him, Terry. If that's easier for you. Oh, okay. I will do that. I'll send it to Sam. Thank you, Terry. Great. God bless you. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay, I've got time to do something really quick, and I'm probably going to come back to this tomorrow, but this is important, so I want to touch on it today. It's from Anonymous. It said, Pastor Ron, I struggle with really twisted sin. I know it's wrong, and I know it's sin. I've fallen in the past. Why is the sin so prevalent in my mind and heart? I know I'm forgiven and free, but I still feel like a captive to my sin. I enjoy it. I know it's wrong. I love to serve the Lord, and I know I'm hindering my walk with Him. What can I do? Uh, Anonymous, you need to listen to the message that I did yesterday. You've got to die to this sin. You've got to die to yourself. You've got to come to the end of, of yourself, and you realize that that the fact that you enjoy sin, something that you know, to use your word, is twisted, um, this is something that you've got to understand. He's already delivered you from, but at this moment in your life, you love this sin more than you love him. And you've got to get to the place where you need to wrestle with Jesus tonight, not tomorrow, tonight. So please listen to the message that I did yesterday. It's on our website at calvarysa.com. And uh, when when you're done with the message, uh, you need to get on your face before the Lord and you need to repent. You need to be honest about why you're continuing to sin. It's not because you have to. It's because you want to. And Anonymous, I'm going to come back a little bit more with this tomorrow at the top of the program. Hey, thanks for tuning in. appreciate the questions. Keep Richard and Brandy and Cookie in your prayers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.